Welcome to part two of the Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast interview of Scotty Mason. Well, I'm Paul Gillette, and along with Ryan Anderson, we're getting ready to get rid of the daggone kid gloves here. We're going after the seamy side of Scott Mason. So, put on your seatbelts, people. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And don't go looking for no theme music. This is investigative journal and don't need no stinking theme music. All right, here we go. Oh, and by the way, we do realize this is all about infantile and immature-ish behavior and jealousy and envy, but what the heck, it is what it is. Oh, crap, I left Mason's headset on. Say, Mr. Mason, how you doing? Can I get you a fresh latte over there? Just take a moment. Okay, so let's get into learning more about the other things that Scott Mason does at scottymason.com. Scott, if, you know, when listeners go to scottymason.com, boy, your your homepage is is kits, it's DVDs, there's links to your podcast show. Uh, When did you actually start this enterprise? I'm sorry, who is this and who am I talking to? Oh, never mind. Yeah, this is uh, uh, President I, Obama. Just <laughs> only uh, well, I, you know, I get concerned about the IRS. but uh, uh, Well, the, the, the business really started in 2005 when I produced my first DVD, which was entitled Building Craftsman Structure Kits, later to be called Building Craftsman Structure Kits Volume 1. And at the time, I never anticipated this becoming a business. But what I found out, and, and you know, Ryan will probably, uh, you know, you could probably go get a sandwich or something because I know you've heard this story before. But I, I kind of figured that when I produced this DVD, I'd sell maybe a dozen and then move on with my life. I, I own another business that has nothing to do with the hobby. And from the time I finished the uh, production process to the time I got the finished DVDs back from the factory, I had pre-sold over 500 of them. And I knew at that point that I, I was on to something. This may be a little premature, Scott, but what would you attribute that to? Well, no, the answer, the answer is easy. I, I, you know, and I mentioned it before in the first segment we were talking about the Crafts and Structure Show. There is a, there's a huge thirst for information, whether it's from people who actually want to sit down and learn and then do it, or people that, you know, they're armchair modelers, or, you know, it's just a period nature. People like to watch. Yeah, but... You you can't. I mean, you were already pretty well known in the hobby. From well, not at that point. I I, I was okay. I was probably more well known on the some of the forums, but you know I wouldn't say that you know I was like the commercial the you know the old American Express commercial. You know you don't know me, but uh, <laughs> okay. so uh, you know so that's really Paul what what, what started it off. Okay. Uh, and, you know, then it was just a question of, you know, seeing that there was a level of, of success there, developing a marketing plan, you know, thinking about uh, where I wanted to go with all this, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Okay, so you tapped into this uh, demand, people like me going, golly, this guy's got a how-to video, clearing away the fog, uh, tremendous success with the, the first DVD. How do we segue to the Craftsman Kits? Well, um, probably a natural progression, but not something that I ever really wanted to get into. And, and you know, the, the progression was 
college tuition. Uh, my, and we come Yeah, closer. my my oldest daughter, uh, who is now uh, going into her junior year in college out in San Francisco, decided that, uh, you know, not only is she overly bright, but she wanted to capitalize on that by applying to, uh, you know, some of the most expensive colleges in the universe. So, you know, I was faced with a, with a dilemma, one that fortunately I was able to overcome by creating a new revenue stream, uh, which in this case was, was Craftsman Structures. Now, what you need to know is that I have been good friends with some of the top Craftsman Structure manufacturers for many years. Um, I would consider Bob Van Gelder a self-river model works, one of my best friends, and has been since he started his company back in 1991. And although it was never my intention to become a kit manufacturer, I certainly learned a lot by, by watching him. Doug Fiscali, obviously another real good friend, um, my partner in the, in the structure show, was also instrumental. In fact, it was, once again, it was really his idea. I had shown him some drawings for a wooden roundhouse that uh, I actually just wanted him to cut one for me so that I could build for my layout. And he said, you know, he said, you really ought to do this as a kid. It's really pretty nice. And, you know, he sat down with me and we went through the process together and, and he, you know, guided me and, you know, was very careful to, uh, you know, give me as much advice as possible. He'd tell you, you know, some of it I took and some of it I didn't. And, mm -hmm. you know, usually the stuff I didn't, I ended up falling on my face. But that's that's really how the structure piece came about. And that was... Okay, I want to go to Doug Fiscali's clinic at the show on how to influence people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I would say it has to do with a level of enthusiasm that, uh, you know, people his age, and I'm not far, you know, we're not far afield from, from his age, but, uh, you know, he, he's just a, he's, he's an idea person. He, he wakes up in the middle of the night with ideas. He has a notebook by his bed that he writes them down in. And, uh, you know, some are good, some, you know, you couldn't ever implement, but, uh, you know, whenever I go over there, we stand around and we just we we shoot ideas back and forth to each other, uh, and that's you know really in a in a small hobby, which ours is, you know how you build a business. Now, when you said he, he came up with this idea, mm -hmm. how long does it take? You know, you know and this is your first yep. kit from idea to actually being able to start selling it. How, do, how does well, that work? Well, I'll, I'll talk it? more in, in generalities because I've done three kits now. So, yeah. you know, I, I'll average it out, I guess. Basically, my ideas tend to come from prototypes. Uh, some kit manufacturers work from uh, purely from their imagination. Some work purely from prototype structures. Some kind of mingle the two and, and come out at, on the other end with, with something. Mine are more... Um, prototypically based and then compressed or embellished to, to one degree or another. So it, start, it starts with an idea, and, and that could be, you know, a structure that, you know, I saw someone else scratch build. Uh, for instance, my Lasky uh, cabinet company last year came from a design, a scratchable design by Rob Miller out in California, and Rob was gracious enough to allow me to take that design, manipulate it, and then uh, turn it into a kit. The, um, the first kit, the wooden roundhouse, was based on, uh, you know, standard wooden roundhouse designs. Uh, there, you know, when you're talking about something like a roundhouse, there isn't really much you can do to get away from the prototype. Uh, and then I did a, a an O-scale freight house that's based on a, a freight house that uh, existed right here in my hometown for a lot of years. So, so it's a one it's a once a year thing, kind of oh, yeah. like a lot of these other. Kids, oh yeah. Right? Well, there isn't. I wouldn't say there's a lot of guys that only do one 
Kitty. I, it's probably – Well, I guess when I say that, I'm thinking of George Selyos mm-hmm. and – well, I guess the, you're right. There is I would say – Those are the ones you hear because everyone's like, what, what's the kit going to be? Yeah, there's year? probably <laughs> three or four of us that are exclusively doing one large kit a year, and that's it. And it, it, there, there's, there's reason for that. I mean, first of all, in my case, as you know, I do many other things. Uh, so it would be very difficult for me to manufacture more than one kit a year. Uh, but having said that, the production cycle from concept to shipping is a full year. Oh, my goodness. I, it, okay. You know, it really is. Uh, and it doesn't overlap at all? You probably start designing the next one or thinking about it before you even start Well, shipping. I may have an idea in my head while I'm working on another idea. Uh, uh, you know, and it's just a question of timing. You know, which one do I want to release next? Which one Which one am I most excited about? Uh, you know, so that that's a big part of it. I, I don't think there's any kit manufacturer, and I know Bob Van Gelder would tell you the same thing, that, that doesn't do, you know, if you've got to spend a year with this baby, uh, it better be something that turns you on and you're going to get sick of it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, I know Paul's got a few more detailed questions. Sure. On design and production yep. and yep. stuff. Well, and just picking up on what you started, Ryan, uh, Scott, when you, you know, you're noodling around, you and uh, Fiscali and stuff, you're bouncing ideas off each other. What do you make your kits out of? Let me just, let's get back to the basics. What are they, how are they made? Yeah, they're, they're mostly they flour and water. water? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my kits are, uh, they're, they're a combination of materials. I work with wood. Uh, I love to work with wood. I love the feel of it. I love how it looks when it's painted and weathered. Uh, I also use uh, hydrocal plaster for certain aspects. The um, uh, three-stall roundhouse had a hydrocal uh, brick boiler house, you know, foundations and so on and so forth. Uh, those are the two main building materials that I work with. But, of course, there's plastics in the doors and windows. There are... Um, uh, white metal cast, detail castings could be paper, uh, shingles, uh, metal, sh- you know, corrugated metal roofing. Uh, they're really multimedia kits. Okay. Now, when you're thinking about this, you're laying out your design because it's going to impact your manufacturing process, your packaging, and so forth. And are you looking downstream at, okay, I've got a customer who's going to buy this. So is it targeted? At a certain level of skill? Well, and, I, and I, I stole this from Bob Van Gelder, but he taught me this a long time ago. You want to, you want to base your structures towards motivated beginners. Okay. And, and the way to do that is to write uh, an instruction book that a motivated beginner can read and, and, and attach it to a kit that at the end of the day – when it's done, it's been a learning process, but it's been a successful learning process. Okay. Uh, so if the instructions are, are brutal, then the builder not only isn't going to be successful, but they're never going to buy another kit from you again. And they might not ever buy another Craftsman Structure Kit again from anybody. So, you know, that's the key. All right. Do you, as you look at, like I've seen the, the photos of your roundhouse, the cabinet, and then I look at uh, the the show's kit this year, the, the feed and grain, mm-hmm. do you have a ballpark of, okay, this is going to take somebody six months of weekends and nights. Do you, you know, do you have a target of how much work that you expect they're going to put into it? Well, you know, it varies f- 
from person to person depending upon okay. their skill level and the speed in which they work and how careful they are. So I always base it off of how much time it took me with the caveat that I work faster than most people. I probably work at twice the speed uh, simply because I've built hundreds and hundreds of craftsman structure kits and I don't get bound up in the parts of the instructions that have to do with technique. Okay like a newcomer would. Uh, so, you know, something that might take me 80 hours might take someone else 160 hours. Uh, I never, ever look at the time commitment as a negative. To me, the more time I have or I can spend building something, the more fun it is. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a weak corollary that some kit manufacturers or proponents of craftsman structure building will throw out there. And it has to do with a cost time ratio. So for instance, if I'm selling a kit that's $280 and it takes a hundred hours to build, well, that's, that equates to, you know, an entertainment value of $2 and 80 cents an hour. Well, where can you go and be entertained for $2 and 80 cents an hour? I mean, to me, that's, you know, I, I probably would never look at it that way, but yeah, you know, there's some truth to that too. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it comes up a lot. Sure does. Actually. Well, it, we, it, we talk about it on our podcast. It's the, you know, what do you call it? The more for your modeling. Well, bang dollar. for your buck. Bang for the buck. Yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's some truth to it, but you know, to me it's, it's, you know, I don't ever want to break it down that far, but you know, there's always a lot of talk about what things cost, especially in a bad economy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, $280, $300, uh, I think the South River kit is a little over 300 this year. You know, it's, it's, it's not cheap. Um, that's why they're limited run, because we know that we're not going to sell thousands of structure kits. We're going to sell hundreds. Uh, so we put a lot of time and effort and uh, hopefully uh, solid engineering, planning, uh, and conceptualizing into each kit. Uh, and, uh, you know, we hopefully sell out our runs and move on to the next one. And what's a typical run, Scott? Uh, for me, 300. And uh, uh, for South River, they do usually do around 500. And George Celios will do anywhere from 600 to he's done as much as 800 recently. Back in the old days, he used to do a couple of thousand, which I can't even imagine how he did that. Uh, in my case, uh, 300 is is all I could ever handle with with what all else I do. Well, I was going to ask from, I mean, once you design it, you know, just cookie cuttering, it shouldn't be that big a deal, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to take that as a no answer. Yeah, but you know what? I think I think that's a common misconception. You got to remember that the conceptualizing, the designing, the the drawing. And even building the, the pilot model, that's all the fun stuff. Everything else after that becomes grunt work. You know, uh, try casting. The, um, the three-stall roundhouse had, I think it was 13 uh, hydrocal castings in it. So I don't have a calculator, but 13 times 300, so over 3,000. Uh, and, you know, these were floor castings. That, hey, I'm looking at a set. I have an extra so set sitting my desk. you have to do that by hand? Oh, yeah. Well, there's no machine that pours plaster. <laughs> you don't send and, these out to somebody to be made? No, they're done on my kitchen counter. Oh, my God. Why well, no wonder. Okay. Uh, you know, every box has to be, you know, all the materials have to be picked. Uh, you know, the wood all has to be sorted by size and bundled together. All the boxes have to be assembled. You do that? Or packed. you and 
your daughter or whoever you got well, helping my, you? my wife has helped me from time to time, but, you know, she works full time. And Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, you know, try writing a 60-page instruction book. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, that's a full month's work. And that doesn't even include, uh, you know, the amount of time it takes to, to go back and photograph everything for the instructions. Uh, and then there's, uh, you know, I've, I have uh, my buddy Bob Leonard down in Florida does my instruction formatting for me. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to this thing. Uh, you know, and then there's the customer service. People uh, a lot of times will order the kit right online. But a lot of people, they don't like to order online. They want to call you. Um, and when they call you, it's not enough to – and not that I mind this – uh, yeah. It's not enough to give you their credit card and place the order. They want to talk, you know, so that takes some time. When I uh, release a kit, it's usually done on a pre-order basis. So usually the month before I start shipping, I announce it and people start ordering. Well, the good news is that I'll get an influx of money and it helps start to chip away at, at the, um, Cost. the cost to produce the kit. The bad news is that when everything is packed and ready to go, I may have to ship out. Uh, 150, 175, sometimes 200 kits, uh, you know, within the span of a couple of days, maybe a week. Oh, my. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really um, never-ending. Okay. And then, of course, there's the promoting. You know, that's also a never-ending process. Uh, what do you – okay, that's a good uh, jump-off point. Your promotion and your channel, is it is it predominantly through your website in your specific instance? Or how are you taking this to market? Well, that's a good question because uh, I think I was probably one of the first people to start a business and then market it in new and untraditional ways. Uh, for instance, I don't do any magazine advertising. Okay. Uh, I, I did a little at the beginning, got nothing from it. In my opinion, and it may just be my products, av magazine advertising, printed magazine advertising. I don't want to lump model railroad hobbyists into this because I know people we've had great results from our podcast advertising and I know people who are very happy with the results they've received so I urge everybody to uh, call Les Halmos and, and get going with that but I don't do any magazine advertising does nothing for me so uh, all of my promotion has been done over the internet or through a database of, of existing clients that I've built up over the past five years uh, we started uh, the um, Scotty Mason show, and I know you want to talk about that coming up, uh, ostensibly to promote our products, uh, and that's helped. Uh, we've obviously, uh, you know, I get out. Uh, Ryan knows I, I do a lot of shows every year. Uh, you've got to get your face out in front of people. Uh, you know, they can listen to you in a podcast. They can go to your website, but uh, people want to make a connection with you. And the best way to do that is to show up in their, in their hometown and uh, – you know, and, and do the shows and conventions. I've, this year, I've got uh, in the next twelve months, I've got twenty-four shows and conventions that I'll be doing. Oh my gosh! And that's across the country. It's that's not across, just New England. Oh no, that's across the country. I am. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Yeah. Well, now that you're doing that, Scott, have mm -hmm. you gotten into some kind of routine? Did you buy a motorhome for traveling? I mean, <laughs> what do you? <laughs> uh, it usually involves. Putting gas in in my Escalade and uh, uh, heading off. Uh, I've I've done this year. I've done I've done some really long trips. I I drove from Boston to Calgary, oh my which goodness. is twenty six hundred miles each way. Uh, I I did the uh, NMRA National Convention in Milwaukee. How was that show? The convention was wonderful. We actually talked about this thoroughly on on my podcast, this which just came out today. Uh, I was not at all happy with the um, National Train Show. 
Okay, so I need to listen to episode this just came out. Yeah, the August uh, okay. episode. Where uh, where do you talk about it? Because I know this show is like five hours long. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a Mussolini speech. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, about – think about 30 minutes into it. Okay. Start. <laughs> it's only four well, hours long this month. This one's only four hours. Okay. Well, see, that's what Scott does. I do a weekly show, and he just does it weekly and then adds them up. Yeah, we empty the bucket (laughs) once a month. (laughs) Well, then, okay, so you're going all over the United States and Canada. Yeah. And I heard you mention, you know, the people coming in from Australia. And your demographic is actually model railroaders on any continent. You're doing export business as well? Yeah, I was very surprised uh, when I came out with the first DVD, and by the way, I have 10 now, and two more that will be in production the end of September and be out uh, by the Crafts and Structure Show. Scott, I, was very I, su- can't, I cannot promote those when I don't get those copies to look at. <laughs> yeah, if we don't get well, free need, copies, we can't promote to, them. <laughs> you need to remind me. I seem no, to be sending you a box of stuff. You but, did. Uh, you did. Uh, <laughs> I was surprised when I came out with the first one how many orders I got from the United Kingdom and Australia especially. Uh, you know, Canada and the United States, I certainly expected, I guess, if they were going to sell at all. You know, but then I get them from places like Norway. You know, there are people in Norway. I think about this and uh, remove me from the equation because there's nothing special about me other than I had the guts to try to do something like this. But there's people in Norway that actually are sitting down watching. You know, that's, that kind of blows your mind a little bit. Uh, you know, Japan, China, Australia, New Zealand, uh, France, United Kingdom – uh, Spain, Portugal. Does that mean you have to have subtitles in all these no, languages? No. Uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> they either you read know, English they, or they're out of luck. I well, want the I want the Scotty Mason one where he's speaking Chinese and it's got the American at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we we haven't felt the need to do that. But uh, uh, in fact, I just uh, I sent uh, a bunch of DVDs uh, overseas uh, today. So. It's, okay. It always kind of freaks me out a little bit. I, I mean, it's wonderful. Do you have Don't fun get, doing those, Scott? Uh, I, you know, Ryan, you know me. I'm a big ham. <laughs> and, uh, people have listened to me on your show, and they, you know, they listen to my show. And, uh, but, I mean, seriously, I mean, it, are those as much work as doing like a craftsman kit? Oh, they're far less work. Are they? Okay. And to me, I don't want the listeners to get the wrong idea. I love craftsman structure kits. As soon as my kids are out of college – I'm out of that part of the business altogether. That's too much like work. Oh, okay. Uh, but you do have a production company that you work with that makes it a little easier. I have uh, – and I don't know if I told this story, but uh, I use a company that's uh, – they're out of Arizona, and they actually originally were based in Massachusetts. And the oh, owner they of the moved? Company, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, the owner of the company is a, a 25-year-old, and I'm going to call him a kid, but he's he's – you know, the furthest thing from a kid, he's one of the most mature, smartest individuals uh, that uh, I've ever seen. The company's name is EV Productions. And I started working with them about uh, two and a half years ago. And this this kid, the day he graduated from college, he was standing in, in my, uh, my mudroom. My, and I, he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I started this company when I was in the seventh grade. 
And uh, he said, my goal when I graduated from college was to make $100,000 a year. And I said, well, I said, how'd you do? He said, well, last year I made 300000 Oh, my goodness. He does all the, t- the Toyota commercials uh, up and down the East Coast for the local Toyota dealerships. The NFL hires him every year to shoot the uh, halftime show at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. Oh, wow. He-, he just got the contract for the National Figure Skating Association to shoot all of their events. Uh, this guy is just on top of his game. I don't even know why he's working with me still other than, uh, you know, we both come from the same town. And I, I think he feels a little bit of a sense of... Uh, kinship as far as that goes but i love working with him uh he's he's bright he's got great ideas and his work is uh, and, and that of his employees is impeccable so how does that happen with him all the way down in arizona now he travels like crazy doesn't he travels uh, he, more than you <laughs> he is, yeah he really does he's all over the place in fact usually when i talk to him he's in some you know huge ice arena uh you know shooting figure skating you know, I, I always look forward to working with him because he's always, you know, he sees things. I see things one way because I'm on one side of the camera, but he sees things another way because, you know, he does this all the time. Right. That and, was, that's what makes him good at his yep, job. Right. Yep. Yep. So what are the, uh, what's the latest one and what are the two that are coming out that you mentioned? Well, the, the latest one, we, he, in fact, this was actually his idea and he brought it to me. Uh, kind of to try it out, and it, I think it worked great. We haven't been able to follow up on it since, but last, um, late last fall, in fact, right after the Craftsman Structure Show, we did a production called Scotty Mason Live, and there were three aspects to this. The first was that it was live streaming internet video. As we shot this thing, you could log on to your computer and watch it live. I missed that. It was me doing basically a full-length one-hour DVD on techniques for finishing scenery. Okay. It, and it was kind of like a clinic, like what I would do in a clinic type setting, but there's no editing, you know, no net, you know, if I tripped and fell or if I stabbed myself <laughs> with an exacto knife, you know, it's all right there in, in, in living color. All the they... blood, ah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, yeah. what the Saturday Night Live skits. Uh, it, it went really well. We did what I would call a, um, a soft opening because uh, neither Chris, uh, who owns the company, or myself had ever used this technology before, and we didn't want people sitting there at the computers waiting for something that we couldn't make work. But we had over, uh, a little over 400 people that tuned in and watched it live. After it was on live, you could then, for uh, a fee, and you still can, uh, download the episode off my website, or you could buy it as a DVD. The problem with this is that uh, high-quality live streaming video feeds, uh, the licenses are expensive. Right. Mm. Uh, they cost about for what we were doing. They cost about seven thousand dollars. Uh, now, and that's for an hour. Now, broadcast companies like ABC, you know, who also do live streaming internet video. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you can watch a lot of their TV shows on the internet. They pay upwards of uh, twenty thousand uh, dollars for the you know for a it's a higher quality license, but. Uh, you know, it's amazing how expensive this is. So the goal for us was to always solicit sponsorship in order uh, to keep this thing going. And it's not that we haven't had a good reception to this. It's just that because I'm so busy, I haven't had time to really go after the larger companies in the hobby to get buy-in into this. Right. Everybody I've talked to is like, oh, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's talk some more. I just haven't. Uh, had an opportunity to do that. So will we do more of those? Probably. Do I know when they'll be? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, 
so that was the latest. It's called Scotty Mason Live. The, uh, the two DVDs that are being produced at the end of September, uh, the first one is going to be on Making Trees. And I'll be using a lot of uh, the new products that are available from Scenic Express. Oh, cool. I like their product. And the next one is on um, uh, the basics of airbrushing for model railroaders. At the beginning of this year, I became affiliated with uh, who I consider to be the top airbrush manufacturer, uh, a company called Iwata. For anybody who's ever used an Iwata airbrush, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is a very high-quality item. They've asked me to come on board and work with them uh, and I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, conventions and, and, and shows for them and uh, endorsing their products. And it's something that I'm very excited about. Uh, I've, I've been airbrushing since I was uh, uh, 13 or 14 years old. And I've used a lot of different airbrushes. But these are just really, really high-quality items. I might have to get you on my show then, Scott. We did an airbrushing show uh, a couple of months ago. And mm-hmm. could use, a, use a, another perspective. Well, I'd be happy to give it to you. Uh, so those are the two. And then I've got, uh, you know, three or four in the back of my head that I'd like to get out as soon as possible. But, you know, these are professionally produced and they're expensive to do. They're, you know, there are folks out there and, and you know, they're, wonder, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, Doug is among them, Dave Freire, of course, uh, you know, who are, who are doing them on their own. And, and they have the advantage of, you know, as their time permits, uh, cranking these out. I, it's just my choice to, to use a professional production company. The, the difference is I, I just can't put them out as fast as I'd like, especially with uh, college tuition right. being what it is. You've been doing that for two forevers, as I understand it. How long have the, you been doing the show? The, uh, the podcast, we just celebrated the third anniversary last April. Uh, it's a monthly show. Um, okay. We don't know um, how Ryan does this on a weekly basis, but, uh, I, you know, my hat off to you, buddy. <laughs> it's kind of funny because some people say, well, you know, you talk for four hours, but you don't really say anything, which I guess, you know, equates <laughs> us to, to Seinfeld and that, you know, we're, we're say, well, you're high on entertainment and, and low on train substance. talk, like, substance. <laughs> well, like, that's not always true. Um, you know, I don't yeah, feel yeah. that way. It's entertainment. I think there's a lot in there, and I think there's something to be said for, for being entertained. Uh, sure. I listen to Bass Grows every month. Uh, I'm always, I always marvel at the number of people I meet at shows that you know I've never met before that listen to the podcast every month. We have, you know, anybody that listens to it will tell you, you know, it sounds like they're having fun, and we do have a good time with it. We've got a great mix of people on the show. I think we've got a great mix of subject matter. Myself and uh, Doug Fascali and Jimmy Degnan were the original three. And uh, we did the first episode, and and Doug and Jimmy are shy people. And I think I talked for two hours, and I might have got three or four words out of those guys. And I thought, oh, my. You know, I knew they'd come around, but I knew it might take a while. So I I called up Dave Freire, who is, you know, someone that I've been good friends with in the hobby for several years. And I said, Dave, I said, I need to get you on this podcast because I knew he and I would play off each other. And and Dave's been great. And, of course, what a uh, storyteller, too. Well, he, he because he knows everybody and he's done everything in this hobby and you know there isn't anything that goes by him. He's he's someone who is he's an incredible observer. There's nothing that get, gets past him and he's funny. But he's also one of the most talented model railroaders still to this day and he's been doing it for 45 almost 50 years. Wow. Uh, so, you know, he and I play off each other, um, you know, just as I suspected Doug and Jimmy have come around, they have a lot to add. They both have um, incredible senses of humor. So, you know, we all play well with each other. Uh, a couple of years ago, I brought in Mike Rose, 
because we wanted to broaden our horizons in the podcast. And, and Mike and I do a piece on on contemporary modeling. Okay, uh, it gets a lot of good feedback. You know, I mean, what, so contemporary. So you're talking now, like newer, like new structures and new. Like, well. You know, not so much structures because that's one area in the hobby where there's a void. Well, I guess what I should ask, what what do you consider? I mean, I know what the word contemporary means, but mm-hmm. what are you guys talking about in that? Well, I would say we're, we're talking about topics that have to do with people who are modeling, say, from, you know, the 1970s you know, to today. So, okay. you know, diesel era, modern diesels, you know, uh, modern freight cars, you know, uh, new concepts. We tend to focus more on, uh, for instance, we generally do interviews during that segment. And we, we tend to focus on uh, the folks like uh, Craig Martin at BLMA, you know, so, so folks like that, people who are producing uh, modern era okay. equipment. So that's that's a regular part, or is that that's a that's a that's a monthly feature. Mike is also in the process of building a model railroad, and and Mike is a very thoughtful uh, Mike person, Rose. Mike Rose. Yeah. And uh, so we spend we spend a little bit of time each month talking about what's going on with his model railroad. He's very disciplined in that he devotes every Monday night to working on his model railroad. Wow! And uh, you know that in and of itself has produced quite a bit of work. So there's always something to talk about. Uh, and Mike is a guy that, that learns from his mistakes so that uh, the rest of us can benefit. Okay, very cool. Because we interviewed him, and uh, he and I do approach weathering the same way. Mm-hmm. But as I went to his photo, his D-Base website, mm-hmm. and we talked on the show about his granary. I mean, you were talking about his detail, his project management, that very focused effort and i was just blown away by this this granary i mean it's yep. huge in the amount of minute detail that mike puts in it i went well mike is thorough mike yes is a, he is and this uh, grain mill uh, affectionately known as grainzilla grainzilla and there's a good reason for that it's one of the largest ho scale structures i've ever seen it took him well over a year to get it to this point and it's just you know, there, there aren't many opportunities for most model railroaders to build to that degree without using a lot of selective compression. Right. And, uh, you know, Mike was able to do that, uh, this structure. You know, he makes and sells a lot of those parts, like all the railing at the top of there. He had made and he sells at uh, Micro's Hobbies. So. Well, you know, Mike is one of those guys where if it isn't available off the shelf, that doesn't yeah. deter him at all. He just um, goes and designs it and makes it. Yeah, Mike is a businessman, and he's also a craftsman. He's an incredibly talented artist. You, you mentioned that, but you know, I also want to talk about his weathering skills because yeah. uh, he really set a trend in this hobby. Until I met him, I didn't know anybody who weathered with artists' oils. I didn't yeah. think that was a medium that was accepted in the hobby. And and the reason it wasn't is because people just didn't didn't realize we're so we walk around with blinders on in this hobby in a lot of cases, and we we tend to look at only what's available from the hobby manufacturers, and we don't look we tend to not look outside that. You know, and here is a guy that said, "Hey, you know, why not?" And his reasoning was that in using artists' oils, which are very easy to work with, uh, they're also very easy to undo, which makes them perfect for beginners. Sure. So I met Mike, even though he lives only an hour south of me, I actually met him at a convention in Cocoa Beach a few years ago. 
I had the idea to produce some weathering DVDs, but I didn't know if I was the right person to do them. And I, I, I sat down with Mike, and after about three minutes, I knew that I had to have this guy on a DVD. Yeah. And Mike had never done anything like this. He showed up the day of the shoot. You know, we had had an outline. I knew what he was going to do. He showed up the day of the shoot, and we nicknamed him One Take Mike. <laughs> He went through this whole process. We shot a, a complete DVD in, in the balance of two days. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, for a first-timer is amazing. He was completely professional. He's done this yeah. so many times that it was like second nature to him, uh, you know, as a clinic at conventions. And, and the DVD is wonderful. But more importantly, the techniques are so easy. Well, uh, let me just – I have the, uh, your DVD that uh, featured Mike yes. on the weathering. Yep. And so everything you're saying, I mean, I can just see that in this DVD. You know, one take Mike. He's got his tools there. He just, it's right there. He presents it. It was a great DVD. So, yeah, uh, uh, he he did a wonderful job. And I, I think uh, I think we're probably going to do another one together. Uh, okay. Because his, his skills are, are just, just unbelievable. I want to do a DVD on uh, weathering diesel locomotives. And, ah, uh, very good. And I, I think he would be the uh, the right person for something like that. Okay. So I'll well, just, you know uh, what? I mean, I'll share this with with you. I mean, Scott, I saw ads for your your podcast before I moved to Arizona, back in Ohio, which you uh -huh. go back about three years. And silly me, and I mean, I'm not computer dumb, but I went. You know, I need to go buy an iPod so I can listen to a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I it never occurred to me that it was just a regular MP3 file. Yep. I I saw the iPod Association and presumed it was some proprietary format that meant you had to have a, an iPod. Well, so, you know what? The um, and nothing against it because I'm getting into that age bracket myself. But the demographics of this hobby are. Um, older than a lot of hobby demographics. Yeah. And, and I think as a result of that, some of us are more, not all of us, not even most of us. There are a few yeah. of us that are um, technology um, deficient, uh, kind of like I'm follically deficient. And, you know, they, they, they think <laughs> like you, well, pod, okay, well, I need an iPod or, you know, they're, they're not yeah. comfortable with using a computer or they think um, it costs money to listen to this. or it's just, there's a lot of, potential frustration with it and to me that's the drawback of any new technology I, I i still get a lot of people that that you know they've heard of the podcast but they have no idea how to download it or listen to it they don't know what kind of equipment they need if anything uh you know there's an intimidation factor uh you know and, and uh when they find out just like you did how easy it is then they, they you know they, they get past it but uh well scott well, if, if you could um let people know, and not not until I tell you, I'll send you an email. But I am going to. I've had this on my schedule for a while, but I'm going to create a video tutorial of how to use iTunes and and be able to get us. Yep. Yeah, that'd well, be know, great. When we started this, Ryan, I did a whole article with photos yeah, and did. everything. You did. And That's Joe true. just has not chose to run it. You must need to do a better job. <laughs> no, trust me. He did some uh, some copy editing on there. I still have scars from this copy <laughs> editing. Yeah, he's rough. 
<laughs> you know, it's his paper. He can, he can run it or, or not. Well, yeah. Scott, I love the Marlon Brando uh, picture you've got there. Every well, time you know, I see that, I'm sorry, Scott. Every time I see that, I go, man, Scott's, oh, that's not Scott. Yeah, it's Apocalypse uh, Now, right? Yeah, you know, um, all these pictures, whether it's this one on Skype that you're looking at or the one that I've yeah. got on uh, uh, Jimmy's forum, which is of Nikita Khrushchev, they all stem from some <laughs> comment that someone made. And, and the, uh, the, the Colonel Kurtz photo that you're looking at, that was Mike Rose's doing. I have... Um, you know, I replaced in my office, I replaced all the incandescent bulbs with the fluorescence. And it yeah. creates this kind of jaundiced, uh, <laughs> when you see my video on, on Skype, uh, when the video's on, you look at me and I look kind of orangish. And Mike said one night, he said, geez, he says, you look just like Colonel Kurtz. <laughs> yeah. So I, so you, you know, I dug, up, right up. So I dug out the picture and put it on. Uh, Bill Sartori uh, accused me of uh, banging a shoe on a desk a couple of weeks ago to get someone's attention. So I went in and I found a picture of Nikita Khrushchev. And yeah, Nikita that's, that's Khrushchev. my avatar on, on the uh, on the kit forum. So we'll uh, have you know, to explain that to some of the younger people who probably have no idea what well, we're Well, you know about. what? We could explain it and they're still just going to shake their head and say, you know, what are they talking about? <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, you got to keep a sense of humor about all this. Sure thing. Um, yeah, and I like that about your show. I mean, it is a fun show to listen to and i'm sure it's a fun show to make well i don't know how fun it is to make i mean the the, the burden of that you know we we just we're four talking heads or five talking heads with mike but uh the the burden of editing uh falls on a gentleman by the name of joe duckworth and uh joe uh took over our editing about uh seven or eight months ago and he's he's really helped us one of the things he got us to do was upgrade our equipment which has produced uh you know, much better sound quality. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, beyond that, he, you know, he is a uh, morning drive uh, disc jockey in Michigan uh, who also hosts his own very professionally produced uh, podcast uh, called Huntcast. And, uh, you know, so he knows what he's doing and, and he, he has, uh, uh, you know, really made us sound better as, as, as much as we can. But I also just want to throw out there uh, my best wishes to Joe who uh, suffered a heart attack a few weeks ago and then underwent bypass surgery a uh, week before last and is home recovering nicely now. And uh, best wishes to Joe for a speedy recovery. He's a great guy. And he, like I say, he's been instrumental in, in helping us. So, Well, guys, it's been an incredible two shows. This has been a lot of fun. Well, yes, thank God, you for thanks. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, as Ryan knows, give me a microphone in two hours of your time and I'm in heaven. So. <laughs> <And that's... laughs> well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. And everybody, keep in mind, we've got the the uh, CSS show coming up in November. And you'll see Scott there along with his latest show kit. Thank you for listening in to the Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. Thank you.